If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, of the course we talk sword. all about fitness, fat loss, muscle building, and health, but we also talk about current events and our own lives because we're super interesting. Yeah. So the first 45 minutes of this episode is the introductory portion. We start out by talking about gamifying fitness. Nintendo is trying to gamify fitness. This strategy has failed almost every other time it's ever been tried. Let's Maybe see. it'll work this time, Sal. We'll see what happens. Then I talked about the calories that top-level world champion chess players burn while playing chess. You'd be blown away by not moving how many calories they burn because they're thinking so hard. Ooh, uh, Justin, hard thinking. Justin talked about coaching his son's flag football team. It's kind of like cheating because he's uh, so much of a better coach than the other guys. Yeah. Uh, I talked about how taking four sigmatic cordyceps greatly improved my stamina and my ability to acclimate to heat when I hiked over the weekend at the Pinnacles in California. Now, Four Sigmatic are the makers of high-quality mushroom-based supplements. They have supplements like Cordyceps, Reishi is one, uh, Chaga is another one, Lion's Mane is another one. Very, very good quality and effective for the goals that they're designed for. If you go to Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C, dot com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump at checkout you'll get 15 percent off then we reviewed the brand new documentary game changers this is the documentary that's promoting a plant-based or vegan lifestyle it was produced by james cameron and arnold schwarzenegger i love you arnold but damn it you pissed me off with this one so we give changers we give our our review uh justin brought up how jj abrams got 250 million dollars to work with Time Warner. And then we talked about the clothes that we ordered from Viore. Viore makes athleisure wear that actually looks good and that you'd want to wear to other places besides the gym. Now, Viore is one of our sponsors, so we have a discount for you. If you go to Viore Clothing, that's V-U-O-R-I, clothing.com forward slash mind pump, and use the code that's listed on the page, you'll get 25% off. It's a big discount. Then we got to the fitness portion of this episode. This is where we answer fitness questions. The first question was, what's the best strategy to lose body fat and build muscle? In other words, which one do you focus on first? So if you want to do both, do you focus on fat loss first or do you focus on muscle building first? Next question, uh, what is better for endurance athletes to focus on? Heavy weights and low reps or high uh, lightweights and higher reps? Or what about plyometrics? So we talk all about how endurance athletes should lift weights to improve their performance. The next question, this person wants to know what our opinions are on, on heart rate variability tools and training strategies. So these are tools that measure the variability in your heart rate that tell you whether or not your central nervous system is ready for hard workouts or easier workouts. And the final question, this person wants to know what to do when you're in a slump. If you've lost motivation, can't go to the gym, or you're just feeling down, what are some strategies? Also, this month, MAPS Starter is 50% off. Now, MAPS Starter is a program designed specifically for people who want to get started with resistance training. So if you want to reap all the benefits of weight training, faster metabolism, build muscle, burn body fat, sculpt your body. Let's reap. But you're, you're a beginner or you haven't lifted weights in a long time, this is the perfect program for you. Oh, and better yet, 
You don't even need a gym. All you need is a physio ball and dumbbells. It's also a great gift. So if you're super into fitness and you're trying to convince your mom or your dad or somebody in your family or your friends to get into a fitness routine and lift weights, but they're super overwhelmed by the complexity of it all, get them Map Starter. It gives them everything they need, workout videos, exercise demos, blueprints, everything they need to get started. And for personal trainers, you need this in your toolbox. It's a great program to teach you how to train your beginner clients. It's also 50% off. So here's what you do. Go to mapsstarter.com. That's M-A-P-S-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com and use the code STARTER50, S-T-A-R-T-E-R-5-0, no space for the discount. I was actually listening to Eminem this morning, I, I re-listening to his Kamikaze album. That's weird because I was just eating M&Ms. Wow. That's, Whoa. I mean, this that's the, the third element right Bing, there. Bing, bong. Yeah. Wow. We were like connected, yeah. dude. <laughs> we're like one hive mind. Eminem. Yeah. Oh, you just <laughs> you didn't get the full memo. <laughs> so he's like Eminem. What? I'm supposed to be eating Eminems. Yeah, you got like partial frequency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. partial yeah. hive mind. Yeah, yeah. Justin. I, I never was a fan of Eminem. Really? Never. Really? No. Why? You know, he's just this. He's just this. Yeah, he's, he's talented. So I'm not saying he's not talented. Very talented. No, he's he's just this fucking ever. little angry. Yeah. He's always, shut the fuck up. He's always pissed off. Have yeah. He, he just. Ha, I'm so mad. Ha, ha. All right. Got, relax now. You're a billionaire already. Relax. <laughs> not, it's not time to be pissed off. There's anymore. a reason for that. Critics though. suck. I yeah. don't. You, know, yeah. you don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy, Sal. So. I'm not going to defend him. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you though. There's a reason why I'm he all bitter. he yeah. raps this way. Um. So really cool. Um. Netflix series on hip hop evolution. Oh, I haven't seen. I saw one episode. Really good. Yeah, it was really good. Really good. And they take you through the whole evolution. In okay. fact, uh, just the other night, I just got to Eminem's part and watched that. And so I think that's pretty interesting. Sal, you always make my mic limp, dude. Yeah, every time we, uh, uh, every time we switch chairs. Yeah. Here's what happens. Normally, it's hard and it's ready to go. We're gonna get back on that, Adam, because yeah. I want to hear about yeah, the yeah, series. Yeah, yeah keep but going. My earphones, headphones. Sorry. Thanks, Doug. Expanded to the full width of the of whatever they can expand to because Justin's head. <laughs> do you guys remember the video? It's a dome, dude. Do you guys remember the video game Bonk's Adventure? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, do you remember that game? Yeah. <laughs> it was like TurboGrafx 16. Move your head. Yeah. There's like a solar system around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's all. It's all. It's a, and, then, and then the mic is all messed up, and I don't know what's going on. Whatever, dude. You got all this like film from whatever you spit out of your mouth. I do. I do spit a lot when I talk. Okay. Uh. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's Look, true. Box Adventure. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I used to play that. <laughs> what? <laughs> that guy's a huge head, dude. No. That's a real video game. You never Come played on, that? Come on, man. TurboGrafx-16 was a video game console that was it was bunk. It came out, it was good for a second, and then it was it tried to compete with. Of course, Genesis. you played it. You play all the knockoff stuff. That was right when when the video games went to CD, right? They yeah. went from yeah. cartridges to CD. No, that- this is before. This is when this is when 16-bit graphic was like the big thing. But so that one wasn't CD. That was before CD. Uh, that was cartridge. No, I think it was cartridge. Oh, I thought it was CD. Because remember when Nintendo got, went 16-bit. And then Sega Genesis went 16 bit. Yeah. And then there was Turbo Graphics 16. Turbo, how many bits right. are they, how many bits are they now? Oh, I have no idea. Jillions. <laughs> it went yeah, 64, 100 and something, and now it's like real life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah everything's like a simulation. Yeah. Wasn't so, wasn't Nintendo? Didn't they just come out with uh, a new fitness product? That, they did. Yeah. So you I just sent, show me a video. I sent you guys a video and I actually wanted to wait to talk about it to you until we got on air so we could kind of speculate on it. Um, first of all, 
it just reminds me of how brilliant Justin and I are. You know, we were already yeah, we're just always ahead of our time. <laughs> Every time. So a lot of the audience don't know that. Uh, I mean, maybe if you've been around for a long time, I think we've mentioned it a long time ago. But one of the things before Mind Pump ever happened, Justin and I were working on uh, developing an app together. And the idea was to, well, first of all, we were doing a fitness app when we first started. And then the more we got into the app world and the more research we did, the more we realized that that was going to be a terrible idea if we actually wanted to make money off of it at one point. So then we pivoted into uh, gamification. So we were going to take the, the app that was for fitness, but then we were going to gamify it somehow. And that was really starting to be cool. Like I remember yeah. as we were going through it, it just cost a bajillion dollars, and yeah. at one point, and by that, by the time, that's a lot of money. It just crippled us. Yeah, yeah halfway through. Yeah. Well, Justin had a half a bajillion. I had the other yeah, half. Yeah, the started. other gajillion, smudgillion. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, a little bit it, of smud in there. We did. Uh, so we did that, but Mind Pump, uh, while Justin and I were actually still, so when Mind Pump first started, we were still uh, working towards the app, but Mind Pump just took off, and mm. it, it had taken off to the point where it was really obvious: Do we? pour time, more time and money and effort into this thing that is already growing rapidly? Or do we keep trying to build this thing that's a money suck and we have no idea if it's going to take off? And so it really just got put on the back burner. We, we never yeah, finished it. So with Nintendo. But the idea was to gamify fitness. And I think that the reason why we did that was because 80% of successful apps that are out there right now are games. Uh, and one of the most uh, unsuccessful financially apps are tools. So we were originally building like a, a tool app that was going to assist trainers, coaches, clients, and that was a terrible idea. And then we started moving down the gamification. The idea was there was levels. Well, that- there was Zombies Run, which uh, hands down made the most money in the fitness space, and that's that was like the full immersive uh, video game experience. So they actually put a lot of money into the narrative behind it. And so they created a story behind you just running, but now I'm running from zombies and I have to accomplish all these In the tasks game. and things. And it was a legit like game, mm. but you're just running, right? So... Uh, you know, we had that same concept of going in with, you know, sprinkling exercises and all that stuff and having to, you know, complete levels, workouts, and it was all structured in a certain mm-hmm. way that made it fun and very much like paid homage to video games like we grew up with. So um, this interesting because I'm watching that video about uh, what they're doing with Nintendo. They actually have a device with it. So it's like this this ring that has two handles on it. And it, it has some kind of like resistance when you press it in and then pull it out yeah. uh, to then actually you know, fight bosses, you know, jump over things, having to do actual physical things to get through it. Yeah, I don't think it'll work. You don't think so? No. I don't think it'll do well because people play video games to play video games and people work out that's, to work that's out. That's the rub. So this was this was my argument too. So I, I originally yeah. put it out there thinking that you guys would jump all over and be like, oh, it's fucking brilliant. I think it's going to go amazing. And yes, Justin and I were trying to do something similar, but I think our audience were fitness people or people interested in fitness that we were trying to gamify and make it fun and entertaining for them versus Nintendo already has an audience. Nintendo has a bunch of kids that love to play video games, and now right. you're trying to integrate fitness. 
I think that's more of a daunting task. It'll be a challenge for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's more of a challenge than the angle that we were going, which what, is completely different. Well, what happened to the Wii Fit? Is that did that is that still crushing or because it did it great for a second? It was novel at first, right? And a lot of people were into it, but yeah, that totally died off. Like it only had like a certain amount of time before people lost interest. You know what it follows? It follows the same exact pattern that uh new fitness devices. classes, new fitness devices, yes. new spin class, whatever. That happens in fitness is it gets people motivated and excited and then they drop off. And I think the same pattern will happen with sure. with the game. It's no different than me starting up a new fitness class that uses, well, I don't know, drums or something. Gets people psyched and excited, blows up for a second, and everybody gets bored and stops doing class. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just bring back bad memories. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, agreed. And I think that, like... Uh, to be fair, I I think that it's it's novel because it's something that's like yeah you might get a little bit of stimulus from that and and maybe you'll initially you might lose a few pounds or something because you're more active but it's just not substantial like you would get like the results from lifting weights and like actually doing actual workouts and the reality of it they're doing it with good intention but the kid that plays video games is most likely going to have his soda yeah. and his Doritos right next to him and all you're going to do is make <laughs> right. him want, want more of it instead of you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So instead of gasoline having, like Mountain Dews, right. it's like, instead ah. of having one soda and one bag of chips, he's now going to have two sodas and a bag of chips because he's so fucking hungry because he has to run run <laughs> yeah, through each one of these levels. It's like it's just going to be nullified. No, and you don't want that to be your limiting factor. So, you want to play this if you really like the game and you want pizza, mom. Let's say you want to play it for like an hour, but you know you're not able to move and be <laughs> and be active for an hour. You'd rather play the game without having to move. Yeah. But, I will say this. I like their efforts, though, dude. Yeah. You know, like, I think they're trying I, I, to tackle the. Uh, they're trying, yeah. you know, and I, I think that I, I I appreciate that because of uh, you know obviously that's a that's a huge problem. Like, now, kids yeah. are not moving. Now the trainer coach mind of mine goes like this. Now I could see, and if I'm a trainer that's trying to build this business, I could see some serious value in creating like these camps for kids that's centered around like a cool game like that. Sure. Where it's shot up on a big screen. You got like four or five of those things. You compete the kids against each other. Makes perfect sense. And you make a very fun, interactive way to keep these kids moving Mm -hmm. in. That I could see and I I could see value. Now, do I think it's going to go mainstream and all the kids that are used to play used to playing Gears of War and drinking sodas and Doritos now all of a sudden are gonna wanna go to Nintendo and hold this mm-hmm. thing that causes resistance and makes them sweat after twenty minutes. Probably Well not. let's let's remember this. Games used to all be physical. <laughs> when we were kids that most games were physical games that you played with your friends. The problem is video games are just way more engaging and fun. You know, yeah. it's they're easier they're for way kids. More fun. So it's like you're trying to compete with that by adding the movement element that kids get tired and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough. Well, that's a tough long term. Video, video games are, I mean, to steal from you is the processed version of play. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's and and it's hijacked the same things that get you all stimulated when you go outside and play totally. with your friends. It's like at that on steroids because yeah. you're getting all these visual endorphins and or all these visual things that are causing endorphin rushes. Like, oh yeah, you still get the rush if you're running if you're playing with the little controller and you're an avatar running from a zombie and it comes around the corner. You still get the same excitement and rush right. as if you were, you know, trying to physically do it. But you so. can just be this fat slob with one finger, you know, on on the yeah. on the mouse. Well, so ch- so check this out. That's just that's a perfect segue into an article I read that was fucking fascinating. Hmm. So I'm going to read you guys a quote from this article. They were talking about how these high high level chess players, like world champion chess players, have incredible fitness routines because they lose. 
tons of weight doing these tournaments because of the massive calorie burn that comes from their brains working at high capacity. No way. Yes, they went in and studied this, and they oh, found interesting. They found they studied a the twenty one year old Russian grandmaster. His name was Mikhail Antipov. In two hours of sitting down and playing chess, he burned over 560 calories. What? Wow. Because of the intense- So co- focused. The brain is actually, on a pound-for-pound basis, yeah, yeah, it uses it, most. the brain uses more energy than anything else. That's true. And they're, some of these players in these all-day world championship tournaments, some of them have to drop out from the weight loss or they'll lose like- you know, over three days, there was one person lost 16 pounds. No way. Because of the intense concentration and stress that happens- from these tournaments. And you're obviously not eating while you're sitting there playing because yeah. you want to be completely focused. No, some of these kids, some of them have to eat like four or five thousand like calories doing it. a day to maintain their performance. How what a trip. In, how crazy is that? So some of the top chess players are are training their bodies physically to be able to deal with the demands now, of this. I don't know anything about uh the chess industry. Is there as like Supplements made their way into chess and things yes. like this, or what are they? What oh, are they I'm into? Sure. What are oh, they using? I mean, probably all the same kinds of performance-enhancing supplements you'll see with other sports. I don't think testosterone or like and, esports. I'm sure. Yeah, a lot you're probably. Yeah, you're probably looking at stimulants and stuff like that. Little gel I, packs or things. I'm pretty sure they get tested for a lot of these different things. I would believe that beta blockers might even make make their way in. Beta blockers, of course, uh-huh. slow the heart rate down. Yeah. And keep you kind of well. A lot of uh, musicians and uh, orchestra, you know, like like players, like they they, they'll take that to to be able to uh, you know slow their heart rate down and perform better. Look at this, Uh, Robert Sapolsky, who studies stress in primates at Stanford University, says a chess player can burn up to six thousand calories a day while playing in a tournament. Isn't that insane? That is crazy. That's crazy. Yes, there's an average weight loss of two pounds a day or ten to twelve pounds over the course of a ten day tournament. It isn't. That's just so crazy to me. You never think that something like that would happen. So some of them try to bulk up a little bit before they go into these tournaments. (laughs) That's how intense. That's so funny. It's like the brain is just you know when you have your computer on and you hear the fan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that wild? But if you think about the computations and the the, the, the just what the brain is going through right. the math now um, do they have like speed versions of it versus like you know you can you can do like where it's not so much a time based no all tournament styles they're the, all speed I like, think, yeah they're, they're all time well they're time but I think some of them are shorter times than others oh, I'm right sure. you have to like because I've seen fast. them go really fast and they're hitting this like little timer thing in it, between it's it's like chaos it's crazy and then now I mean I, we're at the point now where AI machines now are undefeated I remember when was oh, it when man. The computer, the first computer beat. That was a couple years ago, right? No, 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 no. It was longer than that. Really? Uh, yeah, where, where they, they made a computer beat the Grandmaster, and now it's like they can't even. It wasn't Watson, not uh, IBM's computer. Was no, it? no, no, no. It was it was before that. I think it might have even been the, in the late 80s or early 90s. Really? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Because, I mean, you can program a computer to figure out probabilities and movements based on pieces. And that, it, compared to computers now, that's that's pretty basic compared to what they can do now. Right. So I don't know. Pretty. Think about that. Six thousand calories sitting there. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's fascinating. So now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe that's what they should do with Nintendo. They should fucking <laughs> think really hard. Yeah. Make the games way harder. Yeah, make it yeah. just super intense hard and, and see what happens. Well, so. to that point, though, it'd be interesting to see what what uh, kids burn as far as on what what types of games. I'm sure there's games that are more mentally stimulating than other games, right? There's probably games that are probably really easy. And you got to think the the coordination 
Uh, I mean, now it blows me away. I was a big video game kid growing up, and then there's this gap of like 10 years. I haven't played like consistently for 10 plus years now. And when I pick up a game every once in a while to play with like my nephew or something, I'm just like blown away by the amount of memorization that you have yeah. to have now. Like, I mean, I, I was at least. I feel disabled. Like, I can't, like, yeah. my hands don't work the same way. Yeah. I, re I remember that's what kind of. Too many options. I was on my way out with, I forget what Madden it was. And I remember they got to the point, it was the year, somebody who's a big video game person will know what year this was, but there was a game when, uh, there was a year that Madden Vision came in where uh, now as the quarterback, I had to hike the ball, I had to scan over all the po possible plays that I was going to run, see my, pull up all my different wide receivers, then I also had to turn my quarterback's head. In and the you could give it touch too. Oh yeah. So you could like float it or, or like throw a direct pass. Like, right. Yeah. And then control. I the remember that. It was just, it was so much, I mean, I, I was the kid who started on like Tech Mobile on Nintendo where it was A and B <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was hike the ball, throw the ball. That's Bo all you Jackson, OJ yeah. Simpson, just yeah. run around yeah. in circles. That's all. You had two yeah. wide receiver choices. <laughs> you hike the ball, you threw to either or <laughs> yeah. and they were, they, you only had three play options that they could do like it's just so incredibly. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll watch with my son, and I'll get uh, motion sickness from watching him play because he moves so quickly and jumps and twists so much. He does these these, you know, first person shooter games or whatever, oh, yeah. and I can't even make sense of what's going on on the screen. And it makes me wonder if that's going to be because it's a skill, obviously. Mm -hmm. How applicable that's going to be in the future? Like I know that drone operators for the military, they pluck them from. I would think video the, game players. I know? would think that totally. the football games. I mean, I I played Pop Warner football, so I had no real understanding of the game of football. What taught me the game of football was playing Madden growing up. Oh yeah, I mean, you really understand like defenses and what what matches up against what offense and like. What's there, like, All the schematics, yeah. yeah it's that, funny you bring that up because uh, I had my first game this weekend, a uh, flag football game. And oh, you co you played or coached? So I coached. Uh, yeah, my my oldest, he uh, he wanted to play because his friends were playing, and I got roped into it because one of my good friends who I coached baseball with was like, you know, you should really do this. He's, he'd never coached before flag football, but he'd coached a bunch of like basketball and baseball. And he's like, I, I'm not going to do it, but if you do it, I'll do it. And I'm just like, all right, you know, I'll help you out. And so he's basically acting as also like offensive coordinator and I'm like defensive coordinator. And then we're trying to like kind of like put all this stuff and string it all together. So we have this like nice tight plan. And it's so funny because we show up and it's just like a jamboree. This is where, where you play a bunch of different teams. You have like, like 10 minutes of play and you see like as far as you can go with uh, like three downs, like how far I can go. And then, you know, and you turn it over and you play in defense and all that. And it was just funny because we have like a couple players where like you didn't know like really what their abilities were. And then you put, you string a play together and all of a sudden this kid like ran like 50 yards, just like weaving and spinning and going all crazy. And he was the, our smallest player. And he was just like lightning fast. fast. I was like, oh my God, we got a ringer. And so I'm like <laughs> writing all new plays, you know, like with, with him in the mix, you know, I'm like doing these plays where, yeah, they're slanting all to the right. He's coming around the end. And <laughs> how, now, how old are these kids playing? Uh, so it's, it's fourth through sixth. 
So the there's there's like two kids on our team that are older, and one of them is our quarterback. This real tall kid. All, all the other coaches are like, all right, the goal is to make sure every kid touches the ball. And Dude, it's, Justin's like, we're gonna win. Give it to the fast yes. kid. Everybody go the oh, other direction. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I was I was playing to win. I can't help it. Like I was I was out there like ah, and then on defense like like you know hammering everybody to be in the right position and like to you know sort of corral them over towards the sideline so we're not giving them this big open field and like how to tackle better. I was I was telling you guys off air that how much fun I used to have watching my uncle who's like a, a crazy football fanatic you know it's like everything from the history to playing it and coaching it for most of his life and when his boys came up through uh you know pop warner football he was coaching and man i used to love to go watch him because he's such a football savant he would be like so far ahead of all these coaches that are like to your point sal Oh, let's just you know, you know, your turn now to play with the ball, and then you yeah. know what I'm saying, go have fun. At the end of the day, it's like all these like weekend warrior dads that are just like you know volunteering because somebody else won't do it. And my uncle's like scheming, you know, like all <laughs> summer long leading into it. He's writing plays. Oh, yeah. oh we've been texting back and forth ever since. Like, oh, <laughs> we got a game plan. I got practice today that we're gonna whole whole new game plan we're throwing. Oh in. man, yeah. and my my and what my uncle did was just he he first of all he understood football extremely well, but then he also also understood the, the the level that these kids were at, and not to overcomplicate things for them. Mm-hmm. And he did really good at coaching and teaching them, and and simplifying the process. And they would go in and they would just fucking destroy people. Yeah. And I used to see like parents get so angry, like like to a point where I remember as a kid, I was a, well, not kid, I was in my twenties. I was getting in between parents that wanted to fight my uncle because he would be blasting teams like 60 to like nothing. Yeah. And the, would he do, and he'd just run very simple plays, but the kids have been taught how to do it really, really well mm-hmm. and stayed to that. And the coaches were like so mad because the score's getting run up. And, you know, and, these, and my uncle's like, what do you want me to do? I'm not yeah. throwing the ball. We're not running any trick plays. It's just the same shit, left, right, this, you know, same. But Dude, all our kids have armbands. And they have all the plays already like pre-scripted on there. Like nobody else had armbands out there to begin with. A like they know exactly like who they are. They they, they know exactly where they're going on the field. Oh, that's like, a good idea. Yeah, and so it's like we're not trying to overwhelm them with memorizing plays and like really like teaching them that. Just like they need to know where they need to be. Right. And so we just coach to that. But like we've done that on defense and stuff. So there's stuff to tighten up. But like I didn't see anything close out there with that type of like detail yet I was yeah. like, oh, did you guys win uh yeah yeah we won that's because like, we're in california except for if one you go game. to texas it's like insane oh at the yeah. very young level all the way they're, they take they're, football they're, seriously they're, they're grooming them from and that's my that my uncle looks like he would fit in over there more than he would here that's why mm-hmm. it's just california we have a different attitude we're, we're more aloof when it comes to shit yeah, like this yeah. like oh everybody yeah. participation yeah. trophies Are, now, everybody hey, just play have and fun. like i have fun winning yeah <laughs> that's what i do any parents uh get mad at you or have you have you had any yelling uh, parents? Or? You know, like the other coach was a little bit like annoyed because so nobody told me I couldn't be on the field, and so I was like out there with the kids and like kind of coaching them to like the formations and things on defense, especially. And uh, like we never, 
myself and, and Jesse, my friend who, who's, who's also coaching, like we just thought like, oh, okay, this is a jamboree. So we can kind of be a part of this and, and help them understand the game as, as we're going through this with the other teams. And they're all, you can't be on the field, man. You got to leave. And like, so I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like bailing out and then I'm yelling all these plays out. And this guy's like saying things that we can and can't do like to kind of like counter what I'm talking about and stuff. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah, Obviously you're annoyed. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm taking you out next, uh, yeah. next to game. You know what I forgot to tell you guys about? So mm-hmm. you guys know how I told you I went hiking over the weekend at the Pinnacles Yeah, and it was like real hot or whatever. Yeah. So something that I've noticed a few times now um, in terms of uh, my heat acclimation, my ability to acclimate to heat. So I do sauna use pretty regularly, uh, especially if I go to club sport, I'll jump in the sauna or the steam room. And I've trained my ability to handle heat. And, and, and naturally, I have a good ability to handle heat anyway. Cold is the one that I sometimes well, aren't, aren't that good with. Heat. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, and I train it. So I train it on a regular basis. So I know what my I know what my heat acclimation level is. You know what I mean? It's like meaning few, like how tolerable you are in the heat. Like yeah, like after, how long I can once, last. Once I'm in 100 degree weather for more than about 20, 30 minutes, I'm ready to be out. Something like that, right? Yeah. So like if you work out all the time, you know how much you can bench. And what, so I know how I can, how well or not I can handle heat. But now this is at least the third or fourth time this has happened to me where I've been out in the heat and I've just been able to go, 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 go without feeling like I need to stop, without feeling like I'm overwhelmed. I can feel I'm hot. I'm sweating. The people I'm with are dying. You know, we, we only did an, an hour, about an hour and a half hike because my, my cousin and, you know, the people we were with were really, really hot. But I felt like I could just go for another two or three hours, no problem. And it was really, really hot up there. And I, I think I know what it is. Hmm. Cordyceps. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. Huh. I, I think it I think it affects my ability to acclimate to temperature. And well, stamina is part of it. And I yeah. think that I think it's Yeah, it's great for that. Obviously. I think it's connected to stamina. So when I take cordyceps, I do and I think that's why my stamina is better when I'm on cordyceps. I remember this in jujitsu. Hmm. When I would take cordyceps and go train in jujitsu, you have the gi on, you're grappling, you're doing this for a long time, and I could just go forever. And I think it has to do. Part of it has to do with my your body's ability to prevent that overheating feeling you get. You know when you get really really tired. You know who would be it'd be yeah. great if we had some people on our forum or just in the audience that is already you know using um, cordyceps or any of the four sigmatic products and see if they find some people that are in like construction or jobs where they're like working out in the sun all yes, day long. Yes. And see if they can like tease that out and be like, oh wow, when I do take this, I do notice how much easier work is for me throughout the day. Cause that'd be a good a good here's what it people. feels like. So I'll take it, I'll take it, and then I'll go do my strenuous event. And it takes about 45, 30 to 45 minutes before I notice this effect. And so what'll happen is I'll be doing whatever. I'll be getting hot, getting tired, getting hot, getting tired. And I'll say to myself, like, oh, man, it's, 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 I'm starting to struggle a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I get a second wind. And I can just keep going, keep going. And I think it's right when the cordyceps is kicking in or doing whatever it's supposed to do or whatever it does. So kind of cool, right? So, and, this yeah. may, and again, this may be why it's th- – that's what it's used for. It's used for stamina. So it's not like something you'll take and get power out <clears throat> of. But it's definitely something if you're going to have a grueling, long – arduous workout or whatever that I can definitely see, you know, some of that value or whatever. Well, speaking of heat, uh, 
last night in that uh, movie we watched, oh, Justin, gosh. Justin was pretty heated. Just, <laughs> I was oh. so annoyed that you guys made me stay on this side of the hill for like an extra five hours to watch that piece of shit. You were trying to get someone to say something to you. I was. Fight them. Yeah. And he's, the he's making hand gestures and shit. Yeah, <laughs> I was, and I'm glad you were sitting next to him. Yeah, yeah. I was on the other side. I'm like, oh my God, Justin's going to well, get I, was, I think I was pro- prodding you. I just white, get annoyed, dude. Yeah, he had a white cloth. He yeah, had two was, white cloths in I there. Had to, I had to yeah. calm myself down with some beverages. Well, you know, in his defense, like it was not even, you know, 10 minutes into the film and I leaned over to him. I said, you do see what this is going to be, right? Like the whole premise of the movie is game changers, meaning these are all these incredible athletes that have done incredible feats, Olympic gold medals and strength records and every other uh, athlete that you could think of. And they've done these people that have done amazing things. Oh, by the way. They run a plant based. Yeah. I know yeah. one sided like arguments and one sided uh, ways of looking at science. Like I'm, I'm very like familiar with propaganda, yeah. you know. And so it's just like it's frustrating when I know exactly where where it's going, and yeah. they're not going to even present like a counter to, or even just like more information. Like yeah. get let's get deeper into that. Well, information. I'll say this about the Game Changers uh, documentary: um, it was well made. It was very, very. They positioned oh, their it's argument. Gonna, it's going to get a lot of people. Dude, this I could, I could foresee, uh, or you know, I would guess that whoever put together the way that they formulated the argument is a political strategist because they hit from all angles, angles, and they they also avoided certain things. So you'll notice they avoided using the words veganism or vegetarianism. You'll notice that they attacked the common uh, beliefs around it, like uh, it's not manly. So they went after that. The manly aspect. They had all these strength athletes. They talked about it improving your erections, and you know they did all that stuff, and they positioned it and put it together in a very, very nice package. That it was well made. The science super misleading, yeah. terribly misleading, especially. And I'll give you guys an example. Okay, this is for the audience because people are like, "Oh, what do you mean? You're just biased or whatever." I'm not biased. First of all, I'm not biased. For some people, eating a, a plant-based diet and vegan diet works great. For other people, it just doesn't. But here's an example of the of the bias. They were talking about the main source of energy for muscle because they were making the case. They were they were building the case that a vegan diet or a plant-based diet was superior for athletic performance. And this is how they did it. By talking about the main source of energy that your muscles use when you're doing strenuous activity, which is glycogen. Glycogen comes from carbohydrates. So they're saying proteins don't provide all the glycogen you need. Fats don't give you all the energy you need. You get your energy from carbohydrates. That's the preferred source of energy. That's true. It is true that carbohydrates are a preferred source of energy and that carbohydrates, if you eat carbohydrates, you have better Meanwhile, Zach Bitter is a world champion and he's fat adapted. Well, what what I was going to say is then they'll show, then they showed a study to back them up and they said, look at this study that showed that people eating a ketogenic diet perform far worse than people eating carbohydrates. Okay, no fucking shit. Like, take all the carbohydrates out of your diet, you are going to notice reductions in some types of performance. That's been known for a long time, but they use that study. That's not new information. Yeah, they use that study to make an argument that veganism is better, as if eating an omnivore diet, you couldn't consume adequate number of carbohydrates and get it's like they compared keto to that that's not the same not the same thing there was a there was a lot of sleight of hand that happened a lot there was a lot of the because afterwards you know we were talking about it and i was talking with doug it's like you know 
the information, the studies that he presented aren't they weren't bad studies. They weren't false information. But what they they did is they would do a sleight of hand. They would show you a study, but then they would draw a conclusion well, like so that. It's a like, lot of it was like not peer reviewed. Like so, for instance, the in the beginning they start talking about gladiators and this paleontologist talking about you know based off the minerals and the bones that they're they're investigating. You know, it was like pure speculation that uh, you know maybe they were heavier on a vegetarian a vegetarian diet. Right. Meanwhile, they didn't get like any study to back this up or any peer-reviewed scientist no. to even back that claim. But, but that's even, but see, what we're ignoring is that how they're trying to make their argument. And the way they made the argument, which I thought was brilliant, because this is how people believe things, is they show somebody doing something amazing, mm-hmm. and then they show the diet, and then you automatically connect the dots. Right. So yeah. you've got this guy who is a strongman competitor. I forgot his name. Dude, it's the same thing with supplements showing a before and after, but then the person that was, you know, like before, they, they took a picture of the guy before, he looks awesome, then they make him fat. Well, they it's took the same a, sleight of hand well, thing, they like took, association. They took a lot of athletes who switched over to a vegan or vegetarian diet who then had uh, incredible improvements in performance, and they're making the case that, oh, this means that this is the best way to eat. Right. The problem is the vast majority of champion athletes are not vegans. In fact, that's actually quite rare. It stands yes. out. It's actually a standout. Now, I'm not saying that some people don't improve, uh, don't show improvements in performance when they go vegan, but that's because there's an individual variance, which is what we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. This this documentary, just like documentaries that support ketogenic diets, you know, like there's there's some that support keto, there's some that support paleo. They completely ignore. The individual variance, which is some people do fucking great eating some way, one way, and other yeah. people just don't. And there's genetic reasons for it. There's microbiome reasons for it. There's reasons that we still don't know why some people do better on other diets than others. And that's what this completely ignores. And then, of course, they not only tried to make the case for plant based, but they also completely demonized. Oh, they've, they've purely animal. demonized. And that's the thing is like, I'd. Like I don't have a problem if you're a vegan athlete or like you're into just veganism in, in general. Like that's your thing, great. But uh, you know this is this is one of those like public service announcements. Like this is like mass, you know, like lots of money promoted to to sway uh, the entire population to to move in that direction. And I I have a problem with propaganda that's not you know completely checked. Well, uh, I'm really curious to see um, what what happens from this because. When, I think they're going to sell supplements. Well, I, well, yeah, I think I think so too. I agree with you. I think there'll be some sort of a you know vegan based supplement line that will come out if there's not one already. Mm-hmm. I haven't even done my research to see if if Arnold's already got one going. I wouldn't be surprised if he already does. Mm-hmm. But I'm more curious of like, I mean, how many people this is going to influence? I was I was baffled by how many people were influenced by what the health. I mm-hmm. thought that was a fucking terrible documentary. Yeah, and this and Game Changers oh, yeah. was made way better. Yeah, Game Changers was way. I couldn't. Oh, even, it'll do way more. That's I think. That's, what the hell? I couldn't even sit through what the hell. What the hell? It's going to change so obnoxious. I was like, minds. this is terrible. Yeah. I mean, this is so terrible. I can't listen to it anymore. I've, I've tore apart the first thirty minutes of that one. I couldn't finish it. Game Changers was. You know, they at least <laughs> they made better arguments, and they and they did it in a clever way. They did it in a like Sal said. You know, they let you draw the conclusion. They were they were careful about not saying things that were completely wrong and off. They just hey, look at this badass athlete. Oh, by the way, oh, yeah. he used to do this. Now he does I that. Have an, I have I'll give oh, you a perfect have cloudy example. blood. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I have Mine's a perf- clear. I have a perfect example. This one right here. When this was show, when they were showing this, I was like, oh come on, you are not showing the whole story and all MMA fighters, real pros. 
are probably laughing when they showed this comparison. Oh, yeah. They showed the fight between Conor McGregor. Oh, that's the one that pissed me off. And Nate Diaz, <laughs> and they and they showed them, and they sh- and Nate Diaz in this documentary is the representative of plant based because Nate Diaz is a plant based athlete, and Conor McGregor was the representative of a carnivore who eat lots of who ate lots of meat. Now, when they went into the fight, Nate Diaz was the underdog. This is true. What they don't tell you is Nate Diaz is a much bigger fighter. Yeah. And he's also good. Yeah. He's a very, very seasoned fighter. Very, very good fighter. Yeah. He's upset a lot of different people. Yeah. The reason why Nate Diaz won wasn't because he's a vegan. Because of his skill. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what about the people that have beat Nate Diaz? Does yeah. that mean that they that, that eating meat is better? It's a terrible, yeah. terrible that, conclusion. But they did it in a clever way that way. Like they, just, they just showed that fight and, oh, by the way, Nate Diaz was also a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> and then a funny clip at the end, like Conor McGregor, because he was jabbing him all about like being, you know, just eating like plants and so like at the end he was like oh maybe I shouldn't eat the two steaks yeah. uh, you know I'm like come on man like he said that just like tongue in cheek yeah. oh, I'll, I'll tell you what the, the reason why I don't like this documentary is the same reason why I don't like documentaries that say ketogenic diet is the way to go that say paleo is the only way to go that say carnivore is the only way to go same reason yep. doesn't work well for everybody there's a small there's a percentage of people that it will work well for but there's a large percentage of people that it won't. So watch with caution. But that being said, fucking, you know, James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, man. They, they got a lot of applause at the end of the movie. They, so, it's, yeah. it, what the health moved the needle, this thing is going to move the needle. Yeah. It's gonna, I mean, it's going to move the needle for sure. It's yeah. going to be interesting to hear what we see. But, and I'm also excited for the, the backlash. I'm excited for Rob Wolf's book that's coming uh, uh, in 2020. It's going to get fun. I'm sure we'll see a documentary that will come out that'll be counter this whole... So, <laughs> I'm going to make some predictions. So I made, Food wars. I'll, yeah. ma- I'll make some predictions. Early on when we started the podcast, it's in... It's recorded, so if you don't believe me, we'll find it. But I did predict that protein would be the enemy. You did, because I argued with you. And and, and that's happening. Yep. And I guarantee what's going to happen is another backlash. And at some point, uh, plants are going to be demonized, and everyone's going to go in the other direction. We'll see how long it takes for that to happen, but yeah. I think that'll happen. Speaking of movies, <sighs> who was telling me that's that? Was, was it J.J. Abrams? Was getting, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, a, a while back, I think I had kind of talked about his plans and what he was trying to do in terms of like – he was creating all the way from the very beginning of like toys. He wanted to have like his hands in toys to then TV shows to then movies to like all these pieces of content that all were were sort of packaged as one thing. And so I guess uh, Warner Brothers just threw a deal out. It was like $250 million deal for him to then like become this content creator in the streaming game. So now they got wow. a major, you know, I mean, I mean he's he's created so many awesome shows. Like that's a major that's, win for them. Doesn't is that all under Disney? No, he awesome. doesn't work with Disney anymore. He was contracted to do work with Disney for specific movies like the so latest who's Star Warner, Wars. Who's Warner Brothers under? Warner Brothers is their own. I think they're going to have their own streaming service. Competing. Are they? Yeah, their own so. streaming service? Check I think that that's out. what. I, yeah, check fact that check that. Yeah, check check out who's who Warner Brothers is connected to. I thought Warner Brothers was connected to Disney, but I, I could be completely wrong. Everything's connected it's to different. Disney. <laughs> so, so, I mean, they probably so, bought them. They're like their major competition, like the Wizard of Oz. So, so they're giving him two hundred fifty million to create content, just to create it. Yeah, which I'm sure that comes with like a just like a book deal or whatever. That he's got to probably create X amount of pieces of content for them in order to get his two hundred fifty million. Right. I'd imagine. Wow. Right. Yeah, keep them competitive. Yeah, but it's like it, it shows like i mean 
consumers right now are not super loyal to just one platform. It's like they're jumping all mm-hmm. over the place based off of how good the content is, right? Well, well that's why, you know, the, the debate where you all keep having is, will one emerge and gobble everybody up or will we have this a la carte future where you pretty much stream all of them? You've got Hulu, you've got yep, Netflix, yep. You've, got, you've got all the streaming apps on your phone or on your TV and you just a la carte everything for 99 cents or a dollar or That's whatever That's what it's it going to be. I mean, every mar- I can't think of a single market where one player, unless it's heavily regulated. I hope know. it goes that way yeah. because I I think it'll be better. I think the consumer wins. I, now course, I, I, get, I get worried with, you know, with uh, anything this big, right, for somebody to get their hands uh, in the, the political side of it and create regulation around things and try and squash some of the other players. Who's Warner Brothers, Doug? Are you looking it up right now? It looks like they've uh, teamed up with HBO. Oh, shit. HBO Max is what it's called. It's direct-to-consumer video service featuring many of the assets from its $85 billion purchase of Time Warner in 2018. Okay, so now HBO, that's a major one. Well, And what's interesting about that is Disney has partnered up with HBO. So Disney and maybe remember I told you guys Disney Plus comes out this oh, to I think give a discount. Yeah, there's going to be it's going to be Disney, HBO and Hulu uh and ESPN I believe. I think is yeah, what ESPN the, they own ESPN. Right, I think that, that that's part of their package where you get like a discount on HBO through if you have already the Disney Plus. I can't remember how the how the how they worked it out, but I know they have some sort of a deal with them that you get a deal uh, with HBO, if you're already streaming through Disney Plus, interesting. Yeah, very. But uh, I, I do think it'll be just a lot of. I think it will be a la carte because I mean, again, unless it gets heavily regulated to where it's almost impossible to enter into the market because of the regulations, it just makes sense that some people are going to produce this type of show that's better and really creative and good, and so you'll want to buy that show and you'll want to buy that movie. It'll know. be interesting how they do it though, because when you look at like. HBO, Showtime, uh, Hulu, Netflix, uh, uh, Apple. Like when you start looking at all of them, you know they all they're they're cheaper compared to just one of them is cheaper than Directv. But if you wanted to own all of them, I mean they start getting up there. You know, sure, thirteen dollars each. You know, adds up when you're streaming ten different streaming yeah. services. And so that'll be like, how will you do that all the cart? Because then you're paying thirteen for just to have access to the streaming service, and then you're also buying. All the I hear what you're saying. That you know, so yeah. to, so I, so why? What I hope, I hope it gets really competitive. Yeah, I hope they have just, to reduce their prices. You don't have to subscribe. You just buy a show. Yeah, or it's like really cheap. It's like three ninety nine that you get all you get all these, and now I'm only pay, now I'm paying fifty dollars to have access to all mm-hmm. my favorite streaming uh, streaming companies, and then I buy then my. I shows think you'll are, have like less providers, like we have iTunes and like you have you know Spotify and whatever. But then the producers, there's going to be a lot of them. You know what I mean? Like HBO, Showtime, Warner, Disney. I find something about my own behaviors that's interesting right now. It's like, um, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but, and I guess I've I've noticed this in the last two months because of the amount of TV consumption I've had. I've had more TV consumption in the last two months than I probably have in the the previous decade. I'm just laying around the house with the baby all the time. It just seems like the natural thing to do. It's not easy to fucking read and hold a baby Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, so... If I'm not listening to music or an audiobook, I'm for sure watching TV shows. And I I don't think there I've ever had this many shows or series um, that I've started and not completed before. Mm. It really takes a lot for me to stick through something all the way through. I've had a, I've got a lot of series. Even if I like it, yeah. I'll start a series and there's so much 
there's so many options <laughs> that it has to really grab my attention. Shiny objects. You have commitment, you have commitment yeah. issues. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do with with with, the, with these shows now. Like somebody will tell me like, oh, you should check this show out. You know, and we've already done this with each other already. A couple yeah. shows you guys have each recommended. I'll go check it out. I watch a couple and it's like, unless I'm like hardcore hooked, I'm always looking for that hardcore hook because there seems to be mm-hmm. another show always coming that grabs me and then gives you that binge quality that it, that you have where you don't want to put it down or we don't want to stop watching it. Interesting. So yeah. I, I I wonder if this is a bad thing that I, I well, see Well, dude, you, you ever sit there on Netflix for a freaking hour trying to pick something? Oh when God. back in the day, you go to Blockbuster and there are like the three time. new movies that came out. So you're like, well, it's one of these three. There was comfort when things were programmed for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're like, I do sometimes miss that a little bit yeah. just because it limited the options a bit, yeah. you know? Dude, I saw this meme uh, yesterday. It was hilarious where I, maybe you guys have seen this. It's an older meme where it says the difference between men and women and a, a woman walks into like goes to a party sees a woman with the same dress on and is like oh yeah. and then a guy walks in sees another guy with the same shirt and like best friends yeah they high five <laughs> yeah. yeah and the reason why i'm saying that is because adam i ordered myself an atlas jacket from uh, uh, look at you dude. biting off my moves come on that, man. Bro, i was just going to buy that i love that jacket we no, had it on i didn't know it was viori yeah. so uh, i got myself one no That's no right. i was i remember, remember when we first uh, had joe in the studio and he came in well well before it was released and I, right away he walked in i'm like ooh i like that yeah. jacket dude, it's, it's a pink so, coat now dude. is it warm what's the deal yeah, no, it's really warm. It's warm. It's waterproof. It's like, uh, it's lightweight though. It's and it's dress it up, dress it down. It's cool. I so, like it. So I also I got a couple of their when we were at, did that last event button down kind of nicer looking shirts. Oh the yeah, the Henley? he got a few of those. No, he no. got he got the ones with the collar. I got the Henley, which yeah. I love because it's not like the the super heavy Henley, like the ones that are like wool. It's it's the one that's more like it's lightweight. Yeah, it's lightweight, and so I could wear it around. I got that one too, and it's a little tighter on the body. It is. It fits really well, man. Yeah, it little, looks nice. Shows, I, shows I got off your shape. I got yeah. the yeah. I got the black I one of those. I haven't I haven't bought their button up though, and you've worn them a couple times. They look good on you. They have a the, what's called the bishop short sleeve button down, and they they're really nice. They're like nice. It's not athleisure. It's are they I a little stretchy like the material? Or the is material it like, it's the typical Viore. It feels yeah. really really good, but it's not like. It's it's different than their athleisure wear because you don't work out in it, right? It's like a, a shirt you go out in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, again, you could kind of. That's what I liked about that jack, the Atlas jacket. I can dress it up or down. I can button it up and it looks really sharp, and I can wear it with something that's really nice, or I can open it up and wear it with a t-shirt underneath it and jeans and or yeah. whatever I want. We look know? like a sports team. Bunch of a bunch of classy dilfs over here. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quee-qua. First question is from A. DeFeo1. What's the best strategy to lose body fat and build muscle mass? Focus on body fat reduction first or a combination of both, which seems difficult with the caloric restriction or surplus? You know, this is actually a cool question because for me, it, it kind of depends where where the person is at in their in their fitness journey, if they're doing it on their own. I personally, I remember when I first started, it was like heavy focus one direction. It was just like, if I'm bulking, I'm bulking. And it's like all committed to there. 
Yeah. Uh, and same thing for cutting. Where now it's it's different. And in fact, when I started, uh, you know, coming back into fitness, I talk about the you know turning on Instagram with the intentions to building a fitness business around it, and I was going from fat to fit. My goal was, and what I posted was, I was 212 pounds, and I was uh, I think 19.6 or about 20 percent body fat. And my goal was actually not to let my weight change. I wanted to show people. Watch me ch- completely change my body composition, but not really fluctuate weight. And I never let my weight go north or south more than about four four pounds or four or five pounds or so, you know, give or take. And of course, everyone's seen the the transformation difference. Uh, I think that is a healthier, smarter approach to it, but could be very challenging and mostly challenging, in my opinion, on the mental aspect. Because the average client that's just kind of getting started and they come to you and they say, I want to lose 20 pounds of fat. And you go, okay, cool. But we're not going to move on the scale in six yeah. for six months. It's way less dramatic that way. It is. And it's also really hard for them to... When you're looking at yourself in the mirror every single day and your ultimate goal is to lose 20 pounds of fat. Because I lost 20 pounds of fat. Just didn't see it on the scale. You know, I pretty much eliminated 20 pounds. I just added muscle and just replace that completely change the body composition, which I would think is one of the better ways to do it. Unfortunately, it's extremely difficult for clients to be able to do that because they're not seeing any movement on the scale and they're looking at themselves in the mirror. What what have you guys seen in your experience? Yeah, when you you have to think at the you have to think long term. And the reason why you have to think long term, unless your goal is to, is real short term, like I want to get I want to look a particular way and then I don't care what happens afterwards. I don't care if I gain all the body fat back and I don't care if I fall back out of shape. But if you do care and you want to get to a particular goal, but you also want to keep it forever, you want to stay fit forever, then there is a strategy that is a little bit better. And this is just something I learned with clients. And typically it's like this. Client comes to me, average person wants to lose body fat. That's the most common goal. And my goal with them is to build their strength my goal with them is to get them more fit. My goal is to even if they want to lose, 20, even if they want to lose right. uh, body fat, um, because I know that results in a, in a metabolism that burns more calories, and it makes the weight loss and the fat loss easier later on. It also makes it more permanent. Now, there's no such thing as a guaranteed permanent, you know, result, um, but you can definitely do things that'll make it more likely that it's going to be easier to maintain, and it's far easier to maintain. Uh, in my experience working with clients, to start with, let's get you stronger, let's get you fit. So let's say somebody comes to me and they want to lose a lot of weight and uh, I, I look at their food because I'll typically talk to them about their nutrition and let's say we figure that they're averaging about, you know, I don't know, 1,800 calories a day. So you're eating 1,800 calories a day. Let's do this. Let's keep that the same. Just keep your calories the same. We're going to be increasing activity just because you're working out. You weren't working out before. I'm focusing on building strength, building muscle. I'm going to do body fat tests with you. Body fat tests are important. Uh, I, I don't use them all the time, but in this case, they are important because it is important to show the person that although, like Adam said, the scale may not be moving, that their body composition may be changing. So oftentimes I'd have a client and we would do this strategy. I'd test their body fat and they'd be like, okay, you dropped 2% of body fat. Now your weight on the scale stayed the same. This is what that this let me let me show you what that means. It means that you've gained three pounds of muscle, but it also means you've lost three pounds of body fat. And look, you've lost a quarter inch circumference around your waist. And the reason why I do that is because it, it's a, those are valuable tools to show somebody that their body's progressing in a way 
that is going to keep them kind of feeling like they're getting some return for the time that they're investing. But, uh, you know, having someone, because what I used to do early on, someone would come in and want to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, I'd focus all on that. We're going to get you to lose 20, 30 pounds. Yeah, just shed it. Because yeah. you, you wanted them to be happy right out of the gates. You wanted them to feel like, you know, things are happening and, and, and results are, are happening. So as a trainer, a new trainer, like half your goal is to like, I could shed this weight and I could do it in a, you know, an efficient amount of time where, you know, as, as a more seasoned trainer, you realize like this is a long game. This is, we need to set them up so this is going to be, you know, sustainable. So that, that definitely is something that shifted for me in terms of starting them out and just focusing purely on strength training, but uh, definitely keeping in mind like the calorie intake and trying to, to, to manage it at a certain level where we could maintain that strength, but start shaving away yeah. at, at the leanness. Yeah, think about this way. Uh, you're a, you're, let's say you're a contractor um, and someone comes to you and says, I want to build a house and I want to build it super fast. You're like, well, okay, um, I could build this in a, in a few months, but you know, we're not going to build a foundation. We're just going to put it on the ground put it, slap it together, and then you'll have a house. Now, we know what that will happen with that house. It's not going to last very long. It's, it's like made dangerous. from Ikea. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to fall apart. Or the contractors will be like, look, I can't build it in, in, in 30 days because it takes at least that long just to get build the foundation, make sure everything's done properly. But then we're going to have a house that's going to last you for a very, very long time. It's the same thing. It's the same thing when you're talking about uh, training your body. So if your goal is to just lose the weight and you really don't care about anything else, that's easy. That's an easy thing. You know what you do? Do cardio every day, cut your calories by 500 to 1,000 calories, voila. And I really don't care how you cut those calories. It could be low carb, you could go vegan, you could do paleo, it really doesn't matter. Cut your calories, do shit tons of cardio, you're going to lose a lot of weight, but you're going to be in a bad position. You're going to be in a situation where you fluctuate in body weight and to maintain whatever you've lost is going to be all but impossible. Not to mention that, but it's also going to be really difficult to do what the other part they said, you know, the best strategy to lose body fat and build muscle. If you're in a really low calories and you're also doing a ton of cardio, you might lose weight. You're sure as shit probably aren't going to build you're muscle. Losing muscle. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, you're no. not going to build muscle there. Where if you don't reduce a bunch of calories, you just kind of replace some of your probably – uh, I think what we call empty calories, you mm-hmm. know, instead of drinking a, a soda that's 200 and something calories of sugar. Did you guys ever get the people, I mean, they would look at, I want to build muscle and burn body fat at the same time. So they would do like a circuit training where it's like, you know, they're going to add the strength element to it, but have the conditioning there at the same time, thinking that, you know, I'm building and I'm cutting at the same time. Right. No, that's, I think that's a common, a common myth is that, that that's a good strategy. I think if you take somebody who is, eating a good amount of calories for their body weight already and you just add things that are into their diet that they're probably lacking and we've talked about this many times before fiber protein whatever it is that they're not getting enough of and you replace some of the empty calories with ones that their body needs and you strength train them they should reduce body fat and build muscle the the hardest part i'm telling you is the the mental piece it's just that's the that's the area that i always had to speak to as a trainer that listen, when you do it the right way, it's slow. When mm-hmm. you do it the right way, it's a slow, gradual, you know, week over week, little tiny. And this is also why I advocate for a, you know, a photo every Friday. You know, I used to tell clients, just take a photo every Friday because it's amazing when you're looking at yourself every single day, multiple times a day to not see that change. But when you have this photo that you took 
four weeks or six weeks ago and you still feel like because the scale hasn't moved and you see your body and it seems so far away still to lose 30 pounds and you're nowhere near your goal that you haven't really changed and you're upset and then you have this comparison photo of four or six weeks ago you can really see the difference body composition wise when you have something to compare right next to versus looking at it every single day and expecting to see this great change. Yeah, my favorite thing was be, would be when a client goes to a family event or a reunion mm -hmm. or something and they'd been working out with me for four or five months and the scale hasn't really moved a whole lot, maybe lost a few pounds. Then they'd come back from the event and they'd be like, oh my gosh, like 10 people came up yeah, to me. Everybody's and, commenting. And commenting on, like asking me, how I lost so much weight, and, and I tell them I didn't lose that much weight at all. And how many times is that a client, too, that's also the same client that was complaining that they don't feel like they've seen any change in results? Well, every time. Mm -hmm. That's what convinced them. It's the same them. person. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm changing, yeah. and can we speed this up? And then they go see a family member yeah. they haven't seen in two months, and the member makes a big deal about what they yeah. look like. Now, back to what Justin was talking about, about the circuits and, and the, you know trying to do this like calorie burn, muscle building workout to do the... Fat loss, muscle building. Here's the deal. In order to lose body fat, you have to be at a calorie deficit. So you have to cut your calories below your maintenance. That's already sending a strong signal to the body that says, become more efficient with calories and burn less calories. Your body wants to adapt to that. It doesn't want to always burn more calories than you're taking in because that would obviously lead to death. So your body's like, okay, we want to slow the metabolism down. One of the most efficient ways to do that is by paring muscle down. This is why... If you go and just do tons and tons of cardio all the time and cut your calories, a lot of the weight you're going to lose is muscle. So you're already cutting your calories. You want to offset that. And the best way to offset that is by sending the strongest muscle building signal you could possibly send, which is not circuit training. Circuit training of all the resistance training type modalities is the worst muscle building one. It just is. Yeah. You, know, you want to train kind of like a strength athlete slash bodybuilder. You want to try and build while you're cutting while your you're calories cut. mm -hmm. because then you're sending two signals build muscle but now we need to you know also get leaner and what'll end up happening is you'll either not lose any muscle or you'll build even a little bit of muscle while burning body fat and, and studies show this studies are quite clear on this if you just cut calories or if you cut calories and do cardio and don't include resistance training some studies show as much as half of the weight you lose is muscle and that puts you in a bad position long term next question is from Kay Kacker would it be better for an endurance athlete to focus on heavy weights, low reps, and even plyos, or light weights and higher reps? Okay, so for performance purposes, uh, there's a lot that can be said about all of the things that have been listed here in terms of helping the endurance athlete. Um, you probably want to live, and what I mean by live is you probably want to spend most of the time of your resistance training Focusing on the type of resistance training that's going to be most applicable to your sport. In this case, uh, lighter weight and higher reps. Now, this doesn't mean high reps. I'm not saying do 50, 60 repetitions because I've seen people do this and they'll end up doing you know, 50, 60, 100 reps. Resistance training uh, does one thing very, very well. It builds muscle and it builds strength. And you are still building muscle and building strength even if you're working at the 15 to 20 rep range. It's still a muscle building, strength building rep range. Now, it's not as extreme as the one to five reps or you know six to eight reps, but it is still a muscle building rep range. In fact, there's some bodybuilders that train almost exclusively in that rep range. That rep range has more carryover to the endurance athlete. Yeah. Now, you're not doing the weights to build lots of endurance though. That's There's a difference there. Um, the endurance 
gains that you're going to get, most of which... It's all you're running. Yeah, it's going to be your sport. That's where you're going to get a lot of your endurance. Use weights for what they're good for, which is strength, stability, and maybe building a little bit of yeah. muscle. In this case, you're not trying to build a ton of muscle. No, you're like more fortifying your joints. Yeah. You're building a support system for your bone structure. You know, you want, you want to be able to weather... Uh, a lot of this like constant repetitive stress uh, that you're putting your body through with this. And this is also too where a lot of times I know endurance athletes could benefit a lot from, you know, doing intermittent sprinting as well. And so this is something that could stretch the capacity out a little bit further in terms of having, you know, more gas tank and, and something, you know, where they could turn it on a little bit more uh, within the race. And so it's also like accessing more fast twitch. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's definite adaptations that will also carry over into just the endurance part of it, but you have to build the overall body to, mm. uh, you know, withstand this this repetitive do you stress. Do you guys see any value in plyos here for an endurance athlete? I, I don't. Little. I mean, yeah, very little. Because the what I what I when I hear someone that's an endurance athlete talking about plyos, I envision the person. You know, doing the circuit training and the ice skaters in between. Yeah, they're not the, doing real plyos. Right. They're using the plyos to be fatigue-based, which the real purpose of plyos should be set yourself, explode, rest, take your time, explode again, rest, right. take your time. And you're only doing that two to four reps type of deal. You're not doing that for 15, 20 reps inside of a circuit. This is where I think plyos are done terrible, and I don't see where there's a lot of value for an endurance athlete to being doing plyometric work. Not that it, there's not any benefits at all. It's just when you look at all the different ways that you can be training, uh, I wouldn't be training my my. It's a bit of a mismatch for that the body type, right? It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't. It's not, and it's not going to carry over into an endurance athlete as much as it would an athlete that needs explosive short. That's what I mean. If you you would train an athlete that is doing something more short term and explosive, football player, basketball player, uh, you know anybody who has doing has these breaks in between an endurance athlete. Uh, plyometrics are not uh, are not as valuable as they are for another athlete. No, no, and, and you know it's funny. Uh, years ago, when I was uh, training in jujitsu, it's been a long time now. It's probably at least t ten years. I um, and, and this is something you want to consider also. I had guys that I trained with that were very, very high level, good friends of mine, and they were training five, six days a week jujitsu. Some days they were training twice a day, so they're doing tons and tons of jujitsu training. And jujitsu is there's definitely a strength component. There's some explosive component, but a lot of it is stamina. A lot of it's endurance. A lot of it is static endurance on the ground. Uh, it's a it's a different kind of stamina than 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 running, but it's more of a endurance sport. Traditional jujitsu than say uh, you know uh, like collegiate wrestling, which tends to be a little bit more explosive. And they would ask me how they should lift weights. And it's funny because when when you're doing so much training, adding more you know, high rep type training can sometimes be too much for the body. So some of these guys would benefit from doing very short, you know, once a week, 30 to 45 minutes of heavy weights, four rep uh, type sets. Because it wasn't so damaging and uh, on the body and so exhausting on the body, they could recover from it and they had a lot of carryover. Then they go train and they feel the carryover from the strength versus when they would go to the gym and do lots and lots of reps. You guys know what I'm talking about. That can kind of burn you out, especially if you're already kind of pushing the limit a little bit. So there's a lot to consider here 
with you know what kind of endurance athlete you are. If you're yeah, and how much you're actually yeah. training that way. Because if you're running, good point. If you're running five days a week, yeah, and then you're gonna go to the gym and do twenty rep squats and twenty rep lunges and twenty rep pull ups, and you're gonna you're gonna mess yourself up. You might be better off going in doing mobility correctional work, picking like two exercises, yeah. and doing heavy traditional strength training, uh, like lower reps, five reps, six reps, not going to failure. Just because, just only enough to w- only one, maybe two days a week. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. And that's what a lot of these guys did. Yeah, very low volume. Yeah, they were they were originally doing three days a week of, of resistance training. They were doing circuits. They were doing a lot of high rep stuff. And I looked at it. and I said, "This is probably too much. Let's have you back down to once a week." I had them each do three to four exercises. So it was like a squat, uh, a bench, you know, an overhead press, and a barbell row or something like that. And I'd say, "Okay, do five sets of five reps. That's it." Five sets of five reps of each exercise. Uh, pick a weight you can do, you know, seven or eight reps with, and only do five. Focus on the strength, that kind. Of, and they all got phenomenal carryover results. And part of it is, it didn't tax them so much to where it was just the, the workouts they were doing before was just too much. There's a, again, there's a lot to consider. But if you're an endurance athlete and you're doing like four days a week of running, you know, three days a week of running, and you want to add some resistance training. Traditionally, the, the the best carryover will be the higher rep stuff, fifteen rep, that kind of stuff. But consider your recovery. Consider how much training you're doing overall, because sometimes throwing a lot of resistance training on top of it just gonna make things worse. Next question is from Emails Two Fifty. Can you discuss your opinions on heart rate variability and new trends towards tailoring workouts based on HRV? Is it valuable or a waste of time? This is interesting right now. And I know, Justin, you've probably spent the most time yeah. looking at HRV. And uh, I feel like the the jury is still out on it. Yeah, I think so. I, I experimented a bit with this with when I was training athletes when it was first coming out. And I think that it's it's definitely come a long way since then. Uh, the technology and and uh, you know the improvements on it. I liked the overall concept of it though. To really try and provide a metric where you could see sort of like your readiness. Uh, and so, like as a coach, I could I could kind of gauge uh, a little bit more effectively of like how intense or how hard to kind of push the athlete or you know what we really needed to focus on. You know the preceding days. Uh, but I mean to be completely fair like we could just we could just I could see that within just looking at them like I could see that within uh, you know and asking them certain questions about uh, you know what they were doing outside of the workouts and like did they get sleep Uh, you know are they good with their relationships right now you know like all these like external factors uh, that all contributes to, you know, the, the readiness of the athlete and, and nutrition of course is another big one. So, um, I think that, I think that I, I wouldn't lean heavy on those metrics right now as like, oh, okay, this is exactly, you know, where I'm going to go from for that. I would kind of use that as like, oh, I could see, you know, how they're, how they perceive themselves right now. I could see that in the numbers. And if that matches up, then it's starting to become more valuable to me. Yeah. I think first we need to explain what uh, HRV is and heart rate variability, what that is, what we're trying to look at. Um, And it is kind of the next big thing, right? It's uh, I, I hear a lot of people talking about it. So essentially what they've done is they've figured out that the variability in your heart rate can determine the state of your autonomic nervous system. And if it's, uh, if there's a, and I don't know what the exact numbers are, but based off of measuring the variability of your heart rate, they can tell, okay, 
today's a good day to train hard. Yeah, you're well-rested or you're not, basically. Yeah, or, okay, today's not a good day to train really, really hard. And studies are showing that this has some value. Now, the problem with this is the measurement of the heart rate variability, the, the, the sensitivity of the equipment, and then the full reliability on it, even if your mind is telling you otherwise. That's where I have a problem with it. Like, oh, well, my, my HRV says uh, that uh, today I should go hard, but uh, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm just not feeling like I should go too hard. Sometimes you got to kind of listen to your body. Not always. I could see it being a good tool in the opposite. I think a lot of times athletes are, you know, are like, man, I want to go train real hard. And then they look at their HRV and it's like, nah, your, your yeah. central nervous system's telling you that you're fried. I think there are better ways, though. There was one way that Joe DeFranco talked about with us, which was uh, measuring the strength of his, his athlete's grip. And he establishes a baseline and he'll do a, a grip test with them. And based upon how their strength output, yeah, how is. responsive their central nervous system. Now is. I fucking love that. Yeah, it's, it's great. so simple, so basic. You don't need to wear any anything measuring you. You don't need to take your heart rate. It's just it's just, and it's 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 really measure. It's not just measuring your heart rate variability, but the amount of strength that you want to put into something, which I think taps into the mental side a little bit more as well. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I, I would like it. You know, specifically because we have programs now and we have things accessible to people that we don't necessarily, we're not going to be overseeing like them going through these programs. It'd be nice to have metrics out there that were reliable where it's like, okay, if you have this number, you know, sort of gauge your workout for here. So it's like you could, you could sort of remotely coach and train people a little bit more individually than we have now in terms of like, okay, well, we're going to need to be in constant communication and have this, uh, you know, sort of checking up and uh, like, I have to be like really super involved versus I could kind of remove myself a little bit and the athlete will understand uh, how much, you know, intensity to apply. I, I love it. And I think that the, I have the same attitude towards HRV tools as I do Fitbit Fat Secret and all a lot of these all these other tools that we have, all of them have uh, room for error. And I think of being a trainer, you know, almost twenty years ago, and trying to figure out how hard I should train today, exactly how many calories I consumed, how much did I burn today, and I had none of those fucking tools, and that was hard. <laughs> it was hard as shit. All those things for me have just made it that much easier. Uh, what I think is funny is that I think people take these things and we just we want to just tear them apart. Like, oh, it's man, that shit was way off. It was I did a blood test and it said this, and I did this other thing and it hooked me up and it said it was twenty percent off here. It's like I don't really give a shit about how uh, how much I can prove it's not a hundred percent accurate. It doesn't matter to me. It's data that I didn't have before that I now have to make it educated guess on what I should or should not do. So all of these tools, in my opinion, are fantastic. I think we just can't, we can't get hung up on, oh, it, my HRV says I'm a green, so I can go. And oh, it says red, I can't go. It's just that, hey, to like, and Justin and Sal both kind of touched on this. You know, if you're, if you're not feeling really well and you can't figure out what it is and you also check your HRV and it's like, oh, wow, it's saying that you didn't get really good rest or it's way off. Like, you probably should scale back on your workout a little bit. But if you feel phenomenal and the thing shows you're a little bit lower, oh, maybe I should scale back, but you feel great and you want to get after it, eh, I might disregard it a little bit. I mean, I think that's the same way that I approached the Fitbit when I would wear it when I, during competing and I'm like using it to kind of get an idea of like, oh shit, my 
my I know my diet where I'm at. Okay, I'm cutting for a show. I'm monitoring my steps and my and my calorie burn on my Fitbit. And you know, my Fitbit says I burned 5,200 calories, and I'm only consuming 4,000. Cool, I'm on pace. Do, am I worried that it's you know 200 north or south of that? No, not really. I know where I'm where I need to be eating wise. I know that it's 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 registering that I burned significantly more than what I'm consuming. So I'm on pace. I'm definitely probably leaning out today. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm not going to uh, nitpick if it's off. 10 or 20 percent you use it as a tool as a guide yeah to that point too like just looking at it from like a step counter or something simple like that like that's still very revealing for your daily habits huge and so like within this like i i know that like you could you if you really pay attention to how much stress you're accumulating, like you could, you could sort of feel that and you, you have like sort of an idea, but if you see like trends and patterns throughout the day, throughout the week of like when you're like super stressed or when there's like more variables like thrown in there that you didn't even realize like, Oh yeah, I really was, uh, you know, like I, I didn't have any sleep and I was not eating very well. And, and you could actually see kind of data to match that. Like that's valuable. That's stuff like too, as a coach, like, you could you could you could put everybody sort of on this board and start to see trends and start to adjust things you know on the fly, which I, is cool. There's, there's two two areas of concern um, uh, for me with this. One is as a question: Is there value in training a little harder than you should, or value in going easier than you should? Sometimes. Now, the answer to that, I think, is yes. I think sometimes it is okay, and there is value to pushing yourself harder than you should and going easier than you should. So I think there's value there. So that's number one. And HRV type training says there isn't. It says follow what your heart rate variability says. Um, there's, a, there's a second part here, um, and I'll use an example, okay? Um, navigation uh, tools now have existed for a long time. They, 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 and they're, they're a breakthrough, right? You, you need to get anywhere. You type in the address. It tells you exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. Now, you could have used those tools to make yourself a better natural navigator. Now I could put it on. I could see what the map says. I could start to, and then I turn it off and then watch you the roads. Relying on it. Or what's usually what usually happens is none of us know how to fucking go anywhere anymore. None of us remember phone numbers anymore because we don't use the tools and ways to enhance our wisdom. We just take the knowledge and now sure. we eliminate that. That we we disconnect. And so this, my only problem with this kind of stuff is how people probably will use it, which is to disconnect. From their bodies, not connect. It's not for to the. Their it's not for the average person, in my opinion. It's either for a, a coach, a yeah. trainer, using it as a tool to cool. coach a client, or a high performance, or athlete. a high performance athlete. The average Jane or Joe, it's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's to me, it's not that much. It's not that valuable that it's going to be a game changer in your body fat loss journey or your muscle building journey for the average person. If if anything, it could overcomplicate it to your point. So. Yeah. And I agree with that 100%. Now, for me, as a fucking trainer and very knowledgeable, and I was writing shit long form for so many years and doing shit like that, I love all these things because I've already been doing the, the homework. I've already been doing the legwork and putting the time in and try, how does my body feel today? I think it feels good. Let me get after it. Oh, fuck. It, I was weak today. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I should have pulled back a little bit. So I've been troubleshooting this on my own for a very long time. So give me a tool that gives me a little more insight and then it really makes me go like, oh, see, I was probably right. It does say that. I felt that. Okay. It yeah. confirms that. Yeah. That's how I would use something like that. If you haven't done the work leading into it, 
you know, then then I don't see a lot of value in it because then it what it ends beca- up doing. If you become like a mindless, you know, drone. Oh, uh, this says do this. This says eat that. I'll just follow. Completely disconnecting from your body. That's not healthy. No, I think it 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 needs to be used as a way to kind of peer into what we try to look into as a coach, which is a lot of people don't really pay attention to how overstressed they are right. like that all these other external factors play mm-hmm. a role in your training and so this is just like a metric that that shows that this is part of the process well and to sal's point too that you know and and dr andy galpin touched on this when we discussed this like a year or two ago uh, when it was first getting popular and there is value to actually stressing yourself sometimes when it says you shouldn't Sure. I, so there, there's value in that. So if you're always like, oh, I didn't get good enough sleep, I should just bring scale back or take the day off, take the day off. I worry about the average client who gets that message and then they use that as an excuse to not train and not do things when there's some value in them oh, stretching themselves. Now, yeah. But always pushing through. Right. That's something different. Exactly. And that's where this tool would come in handy is hey, I, I don't really feel up to it today, and my HRV is saying it, but I haven't really pushed through that at, at, in a long time. I'm going to do that today. And then that happens to you two or three more times in the next week or two. You probably shouldn't do it all two or three mm-hmm. times. The other two or three times, you should probably scale back. 100% if it's a tool that allows you or gives you the, abit- the better ability to learn how to read your body and connect to your body, valuable. If it's a tool that's used to disconnect from your body, and essentially remove the responsibility of knowing how you feel and relying completely on technology, then it's a bad tool. I'll give you guys an, a, kind of a similar, another similar example. I had a friend whose daughter um, was having some in, interesting issues with her health. She was having trouble concentrating in school. Um, she was having nightmares. Um, she would have some urinary uh, type issues. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And they ended up just saying, okay, well, this, she's just got some, some issues and we can't figure this out. They go to a functional medicine practitioner who does some tests and says, your daughter may have celiac. And they said, well, she doesn't have any digestive d- issues. And, the, and this person said, well, um, she does have side effects. She's having issues sleeping. She's having issues concentrating. She's having these you know, incontinence type issues. Um, those can definitely be symptoms. So then she went to her traditional doctor who would never have tested for celiac. And they, and they tested and they found that she does have celiac, eliminated gluten. She no longer has these issues. Now, what's my point with this? My point with this is sometimes we rely so heavily on what it's supposed to say yeah. that we ignore our own fucking body. Right. We completely ignore our body. And, and, and the, the key to long-term success with health and fitness is learning your body. And if tools like HRV trackers, food trackers help you get there, beautiful tools. Right. But if they keep it's a you tool, from, it's all how you use it. If they keep you from getting there, terrible tools. Next question is from Nick Knack ninety seven. Have you ever been in a slump in the gym or in life? If so, how did you get out of it? One step at a time. Nick Knack Paddywhack. I was I was uh, watching a, a talk. Uh, I watched a talk a long time ago about how people handled very very difficult, uh, stressful, or you know, sad times in their lives. And uh, one of the speakers uh, uh, talked about um, POWs, uh, people who were prisoners of war, and how the ones that survived and came out okay, what their strategies were. And it was something that was, they had a lot, there were a few things that were in common. One of them was they had a sense of purpose. uh, But the other one was that the 
the the successful people this was the one day at a time people bro- yeah broke yeah. down their their everything down into smaller and smaller chunks so if you're like in a difficult time rather than thinking like fucking months in advance or whatever think today okay got to get up okay let's make breakfast all right got to you know do my workout i know i can do my workout okay my workout's over okay i need to do this for work okay and you break break things up into small chunks because they seem like you can like you can tackle them like you can handle them and the reality is the way you get out of things is through them and and it's one step at a time it's like what's that old uh how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time you know how do you get to the top of mount everest one step at a is time is that a real saying yeah how do you eat an elephant yeah one one bite at a right. time yeah. <laughs> that's a good one right who the fuck yeah, is eating elephants a, yeah. yeah i don't know well, obviously <laughs> nobody's eating I mean, an elephant that's, that's not okay yeah, yeah. But, well the, the, maybe I, a moose I think this is, um, I think you're 100%. This was something I think took me a long time to, to, to crack this code. Uh, and it's because we are, we're taught from a very young age, dream big, you know, <laughs> set your goal, set, you know, shoot for the, shoot for the stars, land on the yeah. moon. Like when you, you don't get there, you're a loser. Right. Yeah. No, we, we just, we, we've been taught to, to, you know, stretch ourselves and I, and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you get somebody, uh, and this is common, right? I've dealt with it personally and I've had tons of clients that have dealt with this where they get in this slump and they are constantly focused on where they want to be like, which is so far away from where they're currently at right now. They're currently at a place where it's hard to get out of bed and just get to the gym or just do the, these little simple uh, practices that they've, they've fallen off of, stopped doing. And yet they're looking at this, I need to lose 50 pounds, you know, or I need to do whatever task that's super daunting. And I remember when that kind of started to piece together. And I, to this day, I still approach, even when I was competing at the highest level, the same way is I break it down in like the smallest little goals and I build on top of that. If you have not strung together two days of eating well and eating good on according to your plan or whatever goal you set yourself for, then that's a great first goal. Two days in a row. I'm going to I'm going to eat right for the next two days. Don't worry about the next 9 months or year it should take you to get all the way to that 50 pounds that you need to lose. Just focus on accomplishing two days. And let's say you fucking you fall off on day three. That's okay. Before that, you never hit two days in a row. So now you have a new goal. Hit three days in a row. And you hit three days in a row. Oh, you fuck up on four days. That's okay. You had never done three days before. Just so we, and you just keep building on that. And that it's amazing when you when you set yourself with that and you don't beat yourself up over the little small setbacks that we tend to think are massive and they're not that massive. And then you just keep set resetting a little bit, just a tiny bit bigger goal than a tiny bit bigger goal. And before you know it, you catch momentum and you can get out of a slump like that. I think what happens to people in this situation is they get they got this daunting goal ahead of them and they're so focused on the end goal versus all the little short-term decisions they should be making right now. And so and 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 make them as simple as possible and 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 start accomplishing it. If you're doing one little thing better than what you were doing the previous week, you're winning. Mm-hmm. You're winning. If that means just getting better sleep. So and that sometimes these goals sound like this. They, they and they're not stupid goals. It's a great goal. If you didn't pay attention to your sleep for the last year and you and your ultimate goal is 50 pounds, but you haven't even tried to like focus on going to bed on time and getting off electronics. Like it's okay. Like that's a great goal to start with. Like just hey, that's my first goal is I'm gonna stop being on the computer till midnight 
and I'm going to try and go to bed by nine o'clock, turn lights off and read or meditate or do something like that. Like I know my main goal is 50 pounds, but that's a really good start on, on, a, on a big rock that really makes the difference in your in your big goal. Set that, crush that goal, then start to build on that ad. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, I, I, I'm sure they want examples in terms of like fitness and health and, you know, weight loss and things like that. But in terms of being in a slump towards getting to get, you know, getting a goal that you had set in mind and whether whatever it was business wise, school wise, uh, you know, fitness, health, uh, you know, sometimes it just like you put so much into it. You're just you're just in this quagmire and it doesn't seem like it's moving. And uh, I remember being so fixated on trying to get faster. And that was like, I have to be faster. I have to do this if I'm going to be like a professional athlete. Like that's my one thing that I just suck at this. Like I can't get any faster. It used to like drive me crazy. And I worked at it for like two years straight, just as, as much effort as anybody could humanly possibly put at getting faster. And, uh, you know, there's a limitation to that. And it's, it's, it's part of life is also, you know, realizing that like things, things will change and, you know, learning, learning more about yourself of being flexible and realizing, well, well, there's also this that just opened up for me, you know, as I was grinding and so myopically focused on this one thing, all these cool things just opened up for me. And it, it wasn't until I just realized, Hey, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot. And then I, I left and, and decided to go on my own journey, and it was the best thing I probably could have done for myself, but that was painful. Yeah, yeah. I, I also say, you know, I've gone through this where I'm doing, let's say I'll keep it, keep it simple. I'm focusing heavily on a deadlift, and it's stuck, and I feel like I'm in a slump. I'm not moving anywhere with my, with my progress. Um, in fact, I start to feel like I'm slipping a little bit. Um, I'll fall in love with something else. Um, okay, I'm going to do uh, lunges. I'm going to see how good I can get at lunges. Yeah. yeah, refocus. And I just refocus and change my... Maybe you're feeling like you're in a slump because what you were doing before was super intense and super hard, and it, maybe that's not something you can maintain long-term. Most people can't. Okay, uh, focus on something else. You want to get better, more mobility, or you want to get more flexible. Now I'm going to try and increase my, my flexibility. Or maybe you just don't want to go to the gym. Like, fuck, I don't want to go to the gym anymore. I just do not feel like going there. It's not bringing me any joy. Okay. Uh, do some stuff outdoors. Right. Focus on mindfulness. Get, get into hiking all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's a good point. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm picturing somebody who's like in a slump slump. They're not fucking, they're have, they're having a hard time motivated to get out of bed. They're having a hard time going to the gym, like, or they are going to work. Like depending on where your slump is, depending on what, like I probably would as a trainer or coach where I'd set your first goals. Like this is why I love like the step counters. Because I think just learning learning that movement creates momentum, right? So just getting somebody to move a little more. So I love taking the person totally. who's in the slump, not doing anything, slapping the Fitbit on them, tracking them for a week and going like, oh, wow, you only move 2,000 steps every single day. So here's your first small goal. Like, we're going to go to 3,000, you know, which, by the way, is like fucking a 10-minute walk. You know, it's not like a fucking huge goal. But it's, it's, a, it's a goal and it's in the right direction for somebody. I'm going to use something like steps. Now, if I'm speaking to somebody who is super consistent in the gym, they're just kind of like in this lull of body's not really changing much. They're not really getting stronger. They're kind of unmotivated and they're in a slump. That's where I'm going in the direction of advising like you guys just talked about, which is, and we've talked about this on the show before, 
switch the modality up. I change, change the goal, change the focus. You know, if you're, you're not accomplishing the speed thing, you're not accomplishing the deadlift thing. It's like, well, change your thing, you know, get yeah. into swimming, you know, get into something good into hiking. They will, there will be something that will stick. Trust right, me. Yeah, right. And, and changing, sometimes changing your environment uh, makes a big difference. There's, this is an old sales tactic that uh, sales managers have been doing for decades for a long time. And I would do it with my sales guy too, sales guys too. And so when I would manage gyms, I'd have my, what they called the sales pit. And this is where you had the desks with all the sales guys working, guys and girls. And uh, let's say we're just, it's just not happening. You know, we've had a couple days where I can tell they're unmotivated. I can tell that nobody's feeling that, that spark. Sales are, are down. They're not, you know, driven to go get new leads or whatever. So they'd come into work the next morning and everybody's desk would be different. I would have you used to sit up there. Now you're sitting back there. You don't have a chair anymore. You're going to stand while you're Dang. making phone calls. And now we have you a bell. this phone taped to your head. Yeah. 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 Now yeah. I have a, and I, and I have a small <laughs> gong in the studio and I'm going to bang it every time you make. Just switching it up a little bit. And you know what would happen? It would create motivation and, and shit would start happening. Just because I changed the environment a little bit. Yep. Um, you could do this yourself. You could go to a new gym or try exercising at a new park. This is why or, I actually like or having or change a room. This is why I like having four or five gym memberships because depending on the mood, <laughs> yeah. the, the, yeah. depending on the mood, I know Katrina hates me for this, but you spend like a thousand dollars a yeah. month. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, it's an investment for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there is there's there's times where you know when I'm really wanting to get after it, I I love going down to American Barbell. There's always a handful of pros in there. It always it always stretches me to push. You know, sometimes I need to scale back and I kind of need to cruise. I'll go to club sport where it's more like a spa, you know, and I can lift like super lightweight. I don't feel like I need you to look keep. like a hero in front of the old people. Yeah, yeah totally. You know what I'm saying? He's using like, the 20s. Yeah, oh my yeah, God. yeah. So it really depends on what kind of what kind of mood I'm in or what kind of what I need. And I think changing the environment is great advice. It's something I use that, that tactic all the time. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the, the only way to get through a slump is to go through it. Yep. So... The um, obstacle is the way. Yeah, and just know that it's going to end at some point and take one uh, step at a time. I've been through this uh, a few times in my life, and it sucks to be in one. I know exactly what that feels like. But just know if you keep moving forward, even if it's an inch at a time, you're still moving forward. And at some point, you'll make yourself, uh, you'll, you'll make it through. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Hey! You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and you can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.